You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. What is going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest Birds Banter Podcast, presented to you by PHLSportsNation.com and sponsored by Anchor. This is your host, Matt Luthi, breaking down my instant reactions from that devastating loss against the New England Patriots. The Eagles fell 17-10 to to New England. And before I get into the nitty-gritty details about this game, what went well, what didn't, I'm just going to highlight you know, the stats and what um, the Eagles put up on the board. So, obviously... Early in the game, Jake Elliott hits that field goal to put the Eagles up 3-0, and then Dallas Goddard catches a touchdown pass from Carson Wentz. They're up 10-0, very quick in this game. Um, later on, the Patriots come back, but the score is very low. You know, they get back-to-back field goals, so it's 10-6, and then they get another field goal, it's 10-9, going into halftime. And then later in the game, they run that trick play to Julian Edelman, who throws a touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett. And I don't know about you guys, but as soon as I saw the ball go to Edelman's hands, one, I knew he was throwing the ball, and two, I knew he was throwing for a touchdown. Um, really nothing the Eagles could do about that. They're just great play call by Bill Belichick and the Patriots, but they did not defend it well. And then that went on to be the game-winning touchdown. Um, the Eagles tried to claw back, but really nothing came out of it. Carson Wentz finished this game 20 for 40. He threw 40 passing attempts on this game. Really didn't commit to the run game at all. And on those 40 pass attempts, he completed 20. So 50% completion rating. And ended the game with 214 yards and one touchdown. Miles Sanders, the lead back for this game, because Jordan Howard was not playing, had only 11 carries compared to Jordan Howard's uh, 20 to 25 carries per game that he was getting prior to his injury, and he just totaled 38 yards from those 11 carries. Zach Ertz was the leading receiver, nine receptions, 94 yards. And although the Eagles probably should have been a lot more worried about Tom Brady, he didn't put up amazing stats, something very similar to what Carson Wentz did. He went 26 for 47 with 216 yards. Um, Obviously, he didn't have the touchdown because that was from Edelman. Edelman had the passing touchdown, but also 53 yards on the uh, passing game and he was really Tom Brady's go-to receiver all game because he has very good hands something that the Eagles really couldn't uh, do on their offensive side of the ball if Julian Edelman was catching everything making plays happen and he was definitely the x-factor in that game so it seems like the tail of the season Eagles time after time suffer with injuries obviously they go into this game without Jordan Howard and without Alshon Jeffrey two of their best players on offense Jordan Howard has been going nuts on offense to be honest he's been playing very well getting the bulk of the carries in this crowded running back group and he banged up his shoulder late against the bears and didn't really see the practice field too much over the bye week and going into the game against the patriots was ultimately ruled out for the game which is a huge loss the eagles go down to just having miles sanders as their lead back and jhi which i'll get into later Alshon Jeffrey has been having that lingering ankle injury, and he was ruled out for the game as well. That was definitely a huge loss. Although Jeffrey hasn't been the biggest playmaker this season, he's suffered from a lot of drop passes, hasn't been getting a lot of separation. When 
in years past, you could rely on him as a jump ball receiver. He's not getting that separation. He's not going up and getting those balls. So he hasn't been great for the Eagles, but obviously that's a huge loss. The Eagles are losing one of their top receivers after um, losing Deshaun Jackson for the entire year because I understand Deshaun Jackson's on the IR. That's done. This should not be a topic anymore. That's a huge loss for this team. It's going to be a huge loss for the rest of the season because the way the Eagles planned this season was Deshaun Jackson is your deep threat. They didn't have anybody else to fill in. I know Matt Collins could do that. Nelson Aguilar could do that in the past, but none of them have stepped up. Now you got Deshaun Jackson out for the entire year. He played week one, couldn't play week two. Then he tried to play uh, before the bye and re-injured and had to get surgery. So not having him is just changing the entire course of the season. So that's definitely something to take into account. And as we all saw before the game, Darren Sproles just a few days ago had a torn right hip flexor, I believe it was, and he's going to be out for the year. And his career is likely over. He's at 36 years old. Really talented running back, but uh, I just don't see him coming back to the field. He got injured in 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And he said, hey, I want to come back because I think I should get a ring. You know, I want to cap my career off with a Super Bowl ring. So he comes back in 2018, was banged up for several weeks throughout the season, came back and played really well. And the Eagles couldn't get the job done in the playoffs. Then he was a free agent all the way until August, if I remember correctly, and was considering going back to the Eagles, going back to the Chargers, or going back to the Saints, three teams that he played for in his career. And the Eagles ultimately signed him to a one-year deal. And he basically said to everyone, all right, this is, this is enough. This is my last year. Let's go do this. And then he gets hurt again. Um, I'd be very surprised if he comes back and returns to any team in the NFL next year just because of his age, his durability. I think it's time for him to call the career in. You know, look for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the future. So that was who the Eagles missed out on going into the game. During the game, the Eagles offense didn't look fantastic early, but they looked pretty good. They put 10 points on um, early in the second quarter, and they were rolling. Carson Wentz looked good. The entire offense as a whole looked good. Part of that was because they had a healthy offensive line. Jason Peters filled in for Andre Dillard, who uh, filled in for Jason Peters as Peters was hurt. But then they go back and rely on the old left tackle, Jason Peters. He made a couple of mistakes, but, you know, played a solid game overall. But on the opposite side, Lane Johnson ended up getting carted off the field with a concussion. His status for the future is still unknown. They're going to run some tests and uh, try to figure out what he's going to do. But obviously, the He's subject to the NFL concussion protocol. They're not messing around with those head injuries. So we don't know when we're going to see Lane Johnson again, which is troublesome because after he went out, the Eagles offense did not look the same. You saw that when he got suspended back in 2016 um, for PED use. And the offense just can't function without their all-pro right tackle, or should be all-pro right tackle. He's a very good anchor for that line, and without him, you just can't function. You're putting help. Halapulivati Vaitai in there, who um, has been shuffled around the offensive line his entire career, hasn't really found his niche, and was just thrown into the game, hasn't played much at all this year. And at one point, they were putting Big B on the right, Andre Dillard on the left. Those are very young young players, inexperienced players, and they rely on those, on those guys to lock up the offensive line and carry the team to a victory, which is a lot of pressure to have on those younger players. So, those are the injuries. Obviously, the Eagles have suffered a lot this year, but everybody knows that. Let's just talk about what they should have done. 
you know, it doesn't matter that these players are out. You can't be making those excuses. That's something to address in the offseason with your medical staff, whatever the Eagles are going to plan to do with that staff that's very incapable of their job. But on offense, time after time this season, they've just looked flat. They don't get anything going. But I thought that was really going to flip the switch this week. They start the game, the first play, they throw a deep ball. Carson Wentz made a fantastic escape in the uh, in the pocket, and he throws deep to Boston Scott. Of all receivers, he throws to the third, fourth string running back who's taking over for Darren Sproles. He throws about a 40-yard bomb to him, and then luckily we get a defensive pass interference call. So the Eagles march down the field, only come up with a field goal, but that's okay. The Patriots have a good defense, and the Eagles were able to put some points up on the board. Then they actually score a touchdown. They actually get a drive together. And I was thinking, this Eagles offense is ready to play. Obviously, not having your top playmakers and Jordan Howard and Alshon Jeffrey hurt, uh, definitely hurts the team. But Lane Johnson, that hurts as well. But other than that, the Eagles have to find a solution to this. They can't go in and not know what their game plan is going to be and just look flat. They started up, they went, were winning this game 10-0. to they end up losing 17 to zero. That's 17 unanswered points from the Patriots. They had the three field goals, the touchdown, and then the two point conversion to set them apart seven points. And I think this really stems with there was no commitment in the running game because in previous weeks the Eagles have relied on their running game. They relied on Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and although Jordan Howard wasn't playing. Miles Sanders is very capable. He has some very good runs. And for him to only have 11 carries is absurd in my mind. If you have to rely on him, you got to make sure he's doing the job. And you got to make sure you're putting him in a position to do the job. You can't just expect him on 11 carries to completely dominate the running game. Running backs need to find a groove. They need to get into the rhythm and get some open holes. The offensive line was banged up. They were missing Lane Johnson for most of the game, as I said. They were missing Jason Peters for some plays. And really, they couldn't really get much going on their offensive side of the ball. And for them to just stray away from the running game was very absurd in my mind. Um, and that leads to my next topic was, what about the new guys that they brought in? The Eagles' offense has been struggling. They came up pretty much empty-handed in the trade deadline because... They came back with Jannard Avery, the defensive end. Although he's a solid pickup, the problem was on the offensive side of the ball. They should have gotten a wide receiver, uh, but the Eagles wait a couple of weeks, and then over their bye week, they bring in two familiar faces that a lot of people were very happy to see back with Philadelphia, and those were Jordan Matthews and J.H.I. So let's see, what do these new guys do during the game? Jordan Matthews on six targets. I repeat, six targets. He only had one reception. One reception that went for six yards. I don't understand how. I understand that Jordan Matthews is going to step into your system and completely change the offense. I understand that. I'm not saying that he has to do that. But for him to come in and the team have so much confidence in him and in a game that they're missing out, Sean Jeffrey, he should be primed for a great game. He should be ready to come in and immediately contribute. He said time after time that he's ready. He's excited to be back. And he only has one reception and six yards to account for it. There was one perfectly placed ball from once that I remember was on the right side of the field. Um, 
all along the sideline, a jump ball that was perfect. You couldn't have placed it any better if you tried to place it anywhere different. That ball was getting tipped away or intercepted. Jordan Matthews did not come down with it. Um, I found it really troublesome. Although it's going to happen, drops are going to happen. If you're trying to bring a wide receiver off the streets to fix this team, they better be contributing, and Jordan Matthews did not do that this game. Now, J.H.I., I understand that he needs a little bit of work. He's coming off the ACL tear last year, hasn't played at all this year, just doing training on his own. But he saw zero snaps in this game. In a game that he needed to take over for Jordan Howard, he didn't even see the field. Um, I thought that was very crazy because although, okay, one quarter goes by, no J.H.I., like, okay, that's that's reasonable. They need to work him in. Second quarter, a full half, you don't get J.H.I. It's like, okay, they're struggling right now. They're looking flat. Let's get them rolling in the second half. Find Doug Peterson um, some plays to work J.H.I. and spark this running game that was really absent the entire game. J.H.I. doesn't see the field at all. Um, I understand he's going to be a difference maker going forward. But they made it such a priority to bring in J.H.I. this week because Jordan Howard was not going to play. He was limited in practice with that shoulder injury. And they don't play him one snap. They rely on Miles Sanders and only give him 11 carries. Boston Scott, who's supposed to be a receiving back. I don't know why they are so obsessed with running to receiving backs like Boston Scott and Darren Sproles in the past. But Boston Scott had seven carries. Although it doesn't seem like a lot, that's almost as much as your lead rusher in Miles Sanders. That should not be the case at all. J.H.I. definitely should have got those carries. I don't care if they were the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the first quarter, whatever it may be. Get him into the game because once Jordan Howard returns, J.H.I. is not going to get the carries. He might be lucky if he gets five carries per game. And you're not even going to let him get into a rhythm when your running game is lacking. Um, I thought that was definitely noteworthy. And something to look into because, you know, they definitely shot themselves in the foot there. I think they could have looked a lot better if they involved J.H.I. and Miles Sanders a little bit more and got that offense rolling through the run. So, Carson Wentz. Um, this is a very touchy subject for most Eagles fans because Carson Wentz is the franchise QB. He's the guy that everybody wants to be the savior for Philadelphia, bring these Super Bowl rings time after time, such high expectations, but Carson Wentz did not look good today. Um, as I said before, he only completed 50% of his throws. I understand some of those were dropped. He did look good in the first half, but the second half was uh, not good. He did have that fumble in the first half, which uh, time after time, people are criticizing Carson Wentz for holding the ball too long, and he's doing it too much. He's doing it too often. He knows that's a knock on his game, but he still continues to hold the ball too long. He's letting the pressure get into the pocket. I understand that he can make phenomenal plays and escape, make some jukes, make some spin moves, and get out, either run for a few yards or complete a pass. You're not going to be able to do that every single game, especially against the league's number one defense. He was waiting way too long, and especially... You got receivers like Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Matthews, Matt Collins. That's who you're sitting out on your routes, and you're trying to hold the ball for four seconds, expecting them to improvise and make good uh, good routes after they can't get open the first time? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That is not going to cut it. Carson Wentz should know 
that his receivers are not up to par this year. I understand that it's a lot of pressure on him to try to recoup this offense and put a lot of pressure on him, but he needs to understand that he's he needs to be better and play to these wide receivers' advantages. And if that's throwing it short, so be it. You don't have a deep threat this year. Don't try to make big plays when they're not there. Uh, he could definitely just run out of the pocket, throw the ball away, or just throw the ball sooner. If nobody's open, I'm okay with you waiting a little bit. But if the defense is collapsing on you, you can't take those sacks. You can't get bad field position when you're, say, uh, on second down. Now you're facing a third and 10, third and 12. If you're on third down and you get knocked out of field goal range, per se, I don't think that happened this game. But say it happens next week, uh, you can't be leaving points on the field. And Carson Wentz needs to be better and find those open receivers. And he was almost atrocious that last drive. I mean, time after time, he was overthrowing receivers. He threw one at Sanders' feet. And in a drive that really could have put them in the driver's seat, tied that game back up, got the momentum back into the link, and sent this game to overtime, or possibly, you know, dare I say, had Doug Pearson go for two, and just go for the win. We know he has a lot of confidence in this team, and he loves to you know, take risks like that. But Carson Wentz did not look like he wanted to win that football game. I know he has a lot of passion, a lot of pride, but he was not making it happen. He admitted in his post-game press conference that he made some bad throws. He made bad reads on the defense. But you know what? If you want to be a great quarterback in this league, you have to know how to pick apart a defense even if they're number one in the league. He did it last or two years ago against the Chicago Bears. When they came into town, uh, I believe that was week seven, week eight. Um, they might have even played. I think they did play in Chicago. Um, but midseason, they go to Chicago. Chicago had currently the number one defense, and the Eagles were on a roll. Carson Wentz didn't care. They still put, I believe, 30 points up on them. And Nick Foles did it again against the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. If the game plan is there, if they have the receivers doing the right job, it doesn't matter if it's the number one defense. If you can make the right choices, then it's not like uh, it's not like you can't you know pick apart a defense. You need to be smart in the pocket, and you need to make sure that you're making the right decisions for yourself. You don't want to get hurt, and you want to make sure that your receivers are getting the best ball possible. And obviously, that Nelson Aguilar drop at the end. Um, I know people don't really want to call it a drop because he was positioned badly, but that was definitely on him. He cannot track the ball. If if you throw him a pass, a line drive pass, right in front of him for a couple of yards, he could do it. But if you throw the ball above his head while he's on the run, no way. He is not catching that ball. We saw that time after time. We lost the Falcons game because of it. Um... He had the mis misread against the Cowboys and the Eagles trying to trying to get back into that game. He cannot read the deep ball. And for Wentz to throw a great pass to him in the end zone, and Nelson is going the complete opposite direction. His body is facing away from the ball, and then trying to make a last-minute adjustment and just have it tip off your fingertips and then go down and grab your knee and try to brush that off and say, hey, it's okay. I drop these all the time. That's not going to cut it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar's time in Philadelphia is definitely over after this season. 
I would be shocked if he comes back. Uh, he just doesn't give the effort, and he's not a good receiver. Going to the defense, I'm very frustrated because this, this defense played lights out. They were fantastic. They bailed out the offense so many times. They held Tom Brady and the Patriots. I wish I knew the stat off, right, off my head right now. Countless three and outs, countless punts, and they couldn't do anything about it. The offense couldn't get back on track. And I understand I already ranted about the offense, so I'm just going to stay with the defense right now. But they played very well. Starting with the defensive line, they had solid pressure all game, but the one thing that they couldn't do, they couldn't finish the play. Time after time, they got in Tom Brady's face, they got hands on him, but they couldn't bring him down. They couldn't let him, uh, you know, take the sack. And I understand that you're not going to be able to sack a quarterback every single play, and especially Tom Brady, he's good at escaping the pressure, but if you want to win the game and slow down that offense, then you got to get into his face a little bit more. Show a sense of urgency. Uh, I believe that falls on the defensive lineman, but also Jim Schwartz. And, you know, dial up some blitzes. I know Tom Brady could be very good against the blitz, but you have to make sure that you're giving him pressure and also being smart about it. If you remember early in the game, Derek Barnett, um, I, I forget who came opposite direction of him, but it was almost like the tabletop Tom Brady. And the play was over, ball was out, Barnett grabbed him, bring him down, and then just threw him to the ground. Uh, you can't be doing that, especially Tom Brady. I was shocked to not see a flag on that play because the NFL loves to protect their quarterbacks. They love to protect Tom Brady. You can't be doing that. I understand it's an emotional game. Um, Derek Barnett is a very emotional player, but you can't be doing that in your games, especially against one of the league's favorite quarterbacks. You're going to get called that penalty nine times out of ten. The Eagles got very lucky there. But uh, they definitely need to control their temper going forward. Secondary, honestly, they held their own. I was very impressed because you're facing the best quarterback of all time with Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, Avante Maddox. Swap Avante Maddox with Patrick Peterson. That's the secondary that you had in the Super Bowl when Tom Brady threw for, what, 500 yards against the Eagles. He torched them. And for the Eagles to hold him... For just, what, 216 yards, no touchdown passes from Tom Brady. It was phenomenal. Um, he had a quarterback rating of 67.3 in comparison. Carson Wentz at a 74.4, just so you have that. Um, they played really well. And there was plenty of plays that Tom Brady was holding the ball for over three, four, five seconds. And... Most of the time when that happens, you see a quarterback stepping into a throw and throwing it deep on this Eagles secondary and getting a huge play out of it. But, nope, it didn't happen this game. The Eagles secondary played very well. They held the receivers, and even when the receivers were improvising and making their own routes after their first one wasn't open, the Eagles were still trailing them and making sure that they were making good plays. I think I counted five or six missed interceptions. Um... They had a few in the linebacker group. They had Mills um, almost got his hands on one. Darby almost got his hands on a deep ball. McLeod almost in the end zone. There was so many times they could have intercepted a ball, and I understand you're not going to catch all of them. You're in the moment. The ball's coming at you quick. But if they made a few of those into turnovers, this game would be completely different. Um, so really, kudos to the Eagles secondary. If there's one positive from this game, it's the Eagles secondary. And the last group, the linebacker group, I think they were solid. They were without Nigel Bradham. I forgot to say that earlier with the injury report. But um, 
They're without their starting linebacker, and they played pretty well. Uh, Camus Grugier Hill and Nate Gary are at the top linebackers for this team, but although they're inconsistent at times, they did uh, provide a lot of good tackling for this team. Camus and Nate Gary had plenty of tackles um, behind the line of scrimmage, and were really um, showing up that second level of defense when plays would break open for the Patriots offense. They really made sure that things weren't going to get out of hand. So I really liked what I saw out of them, although it was inconsistent at some points. It's just going to get better with um, Nigel Bradham. Also, the development of TJ Edwards is very promising. He's been playing good football ever since he's been getting some playing time. And if you've been listening since um, preseason, first of all, thank you for your continued support. But second of all, I've been talking about Alex Singleton for some time. I was talking about him in preseason. And he was someone that I really liked, not only for special teams, but in the linebacker group. And I think he can develop into someone that they can use as almost an X-factor because he's very athletic and I would like to see more out of him, but what I've seen out of him so far is very good. All right, before I get into um, some post-game thoughts, and I put a tweet out on Twitter asking for some questions before I get into those, special teams. Boston Scott is not good. Um, I understand that he is very similar to Darren Sproles in the way that he's structured, his body shape, his speed, his cuts and elusiveness, but Boston Scott cannot read the punt. A couple times he fielded the punts um, when he shouldn't have. He would let the ball go away when he shouldn't have. I think it was just inconsistent play. Excuse me. Um, He wasn't used to being back there for punt returns, and it really showed. And especially that one uh, kickoff return that he almost fumbled the ball away. He botched the kickoff return, and then he fumbled it out of bounds. If that was recovered by the Patriots, it could have got ugly. So um, thankfully that went out of bounds, but Boston Scott needs to be better, and the Eagles should not look to him as a long-term solution in the punt return game. So that's my take on the special teams. Other than that, they're pretty good tackling-wise um, in their kickoff coverage and punt coverage. So if we can get a better punt returner, kick returner on this team, I would feel a lot better uh, about them as a whole. Darren Sproles was a good punt returner, but the Eagles should have looked for somebody a little bit skilled, a little bit younger, and obviously Boston Scott's the easy answer because he's in the system already, but I think they should look into the draft, and although they like to draft people for just their special teams, gunner ability like Matt Collins or Rudy Ford that they traded for, I think the Eagles finally need to use a draft pick on somebody that is solely going to be a punt returner or a kick returner, and then maybe sprinkle them into the offense a little bit just for their speed. That would be super important for them because good teams in the league have good special teams returners. Uh, post-game, obviously I talked about Wentz, what he said a little bit, but um, Doug Peterson, the one thing that really stuck out to me was he said he is going to look at the tape and evaluate his wide receivers because we've seen very inconsistently inconsistent play out of them. Um, and that's something that needs to be considered not only this season, but going to the draft, going into the offseason for free agency. Uh, the Eagles really need to make sure that they have a skilled group of wide receivers that's going to support Wentz the most. Um, that's definitely a conversation for another time. I'm going to get into, you know, what we're not seeing out of Wentz that we should be. I'm going to try to get to that in the next week or two, but a more in-depth analysis 
out of uh, Carson Wentz as a whole. But for now, I hope Doug Peterson can really take a look at this wide receiver group, his wide receiver coach, his offensive coordinator, because I think moves need to be, be made out of all those groups. And um, so, like I said before, I put some tweets out there on, or some questions out there on Twitter, and I got some return in return, so I'll get to those right after this ad. Okay, I'm going to answer all, answer all of these. I'm going to run through them all, uh, and we'll see what we get out of them. So first one, George Palmer. He says, can anyone else be responsible for play calling? Doug is turning into Andy Reid. Um, let's see. George, I'm not really sure. I'll try to answer this as best as possible. So um, obviously the head coach is going to be your primary play caller. And the way that he says it um so if you read his autobiography after he released it after the super bowl he talked about the process of putting a game plan together he develops a game plan for his players um his team offense and he kind of scripts what they want to do during that game and he pulls information from the wide receivers coach the offensive coordinator everybody comes together and perfects this game plan and by perfecting, that's what we saw in 2017. That's what I mean, because Frank Reich has uh, been a hot topic since the Super Bowl victory, was the minds behind the successful offense. And I don't think anybody's going to take over his play calling abilities. I just think they need extra minds and extra brains behind forming this game plan and forming the plays in-game. Um I forget what game it was, but um, it'll come to me. But the the run that Miles Sanders scored that 60-yard touchdown, George, both him and Jordan Howard were in the backfield. I mentioned this earlier in the season that you have two very skilled running backs. Why not put them out there together? I've seen that a few times, and just to say, they scored two touchdowns when they did it. Um, but that play when Jordan Howard was the lead blocker, kind of fullback role, and Miles Sanders took it to the house, that was a play by Jeff Stoughton, the offensive line coach. So if they can pull information from those um, coaches, I know people don't really like Mike Rowe, but if he's going to stick around, he needs to be more creative. Do Staley, Jeff Stoughton, all of these coaches need to pull their creative minds together put together a good game plan. Doug, Peter is going to be call Doug Peterson is going to be calling the plays. I don't think that's ever going to change, but I think he would look a lot better if he gets a better supporting cast around him. So George, I don't think anybody's going to be responsible for it, but I think a lot of people are going to help out. Um, okay, next one. The Real Bird Gang News says, do the Eagles need to fire Howie, Grow, and or Doug? Howie's too complacent with never upgrading wide receiver core and Gore, Grow, I'm sorry, Grow and Doug never had the offense ready to compete. Okay, I'm going to run through this list as you gave it to me. Howie, I'm going to say no. I understand he's under a lot of fire this season because he missed out on some trade pieces like Judavion Cloudy, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jalen Ramsey. But what a lot of people need to understand is Howie Roseman is not going to make a move that's going to set this team back a couple of years down the future. In the future, um, if you trade for a player like Jalen Ramsey, who, as we all know, he's not playing up to his standards so far with the Rams. If you're trading two first-round picks, although it seems like he's worth it, 
in two years when you don't have a first round pick and Jalen Ramsey is you know, paid top money and not even the best cornerback in the league, you're going to be regretting it. The Eagles would be regretting it. Harry Roseman is a very, very good general manager for this team. He's not looking for this year. He's not looking for what the Eagles should be doing now. He's looking for years in the future. And I understand it's troubling because you would think if the Eagles have a better wide receiver, um, a better defensive lineman, those are the pieces that they need to be an elite team and in the playoff uh, position right now. But at the same time, if they make a trade that's going to set them back, although they might sneak into the playoffs with this player, compete, maybe take take it to the NFC Championship game, there are so many pieces away from winning the Super Bowl. And uh, I think that's just something that fans need to understand. Howie Roseman is doing his best job. Although he's not bringing the big game, big names, it's probably the best decision for this team. Mike Rowe, yes, he should be fired. I think that's obvious. I talked about that in my question, the previous question. Um, he's not creative. He was a wide receivers coach before this. He was, um, I believe his role with the Rams back in 2016 was like quality control or offensive such and such. He was in charge, a big role of the offense. And um, they were like the 29th ranked offense that year. He was fired from UVA when his dad was above him. Um, he's not a good coach. He shouldn't be the offensive coordinator. I understand Doug Peterson wanted to play the nice guy role and... Um, you know, bring in somebody that was already in the system that helped them win the Super Bowl, but that was not the right choice, and it's time to come to an end. And I don't want to see Deuce Daly take over his role. No, bring in an outside hire. We need a new offensive coordinator and a new wide receivers coach. Um, I think that is something that all Eagles fans could agree on. I think there's a lot of rumbling. There should be a lot of rumbling in the Eagles front office and coaching staff that that's the decision that they need to make. Doug Pearson needs to take this seriously because if they can if they keep bringing uh, in-house promotions up, they're just going to set themselves back. And that's some, that's not something that, you know, Howie Roseman would do, which I just talked about. Doug Peterson, he's not getting fired. Um, again, redundant with my last question. He's the head coach, and what makes him better is the supporting cast around him. So I think he's just going to get better if they get better offense coordinators, better wide receivers coach, stuff like that upgrade from below him and the final product will look better so just i know that was a lot howie roseman no mike Grow, yes doug peterson no okay <laughs> the next account is from should matt collins quit yes that's his uh profile name his question is has matt collins quit yet if so why not no he has not quit He's still on the team. I understand there's a lot of frustration with Matt Collins uh, within the Eagles fan base, but right now, Eagles aren't really in a place to be cutting wide receivers because who are you going to bring up that's better? They brought it. They, I, they, they did make it an improvement with Jordan Matthews, but how many times can they do that? Bring a wide receiver off the streets and expect your offense to still propel into a better product as a whole? Matt Collins is fantastic on special teams, and I think his role with the Eagles will be that going forward. Once they get a better group together next season, Matt Collins will move strictly to special teams when his contract is up uh, after next season. 
maybe he doesn't return, maybe he does, but I don't think we're going to see him as a, you know, primary wide receiver from here on out. I think a lot of people are going to be satisfied with that. And by here on out, I don't mean this season. He's going to be in the game this season. We should all be aware of that. I just mean next season, seasons in the future, I think he's just going to take on a special team's role, unless he proves it's wrong. Um, these these accounts, uh, you guys are funny. Next one is Sam Hinkie's burner account asks me, does Aguilar survive the season? Yes, he will. Um, I understand he's not a fan favorite right now. He's made brutal drops all the way throughout the season, costing equal some games, but they're not going to cut Nelson Aguilar. He's on the fifth-year option of his contract, so he's going to be a free agent after the end of the season, and he's not going to be brought back. I don't care what the price tag will be. The Eagles are not going to bring Nelson Aguilar back. And right now, they're just going to use him as much as they can, use him to their advantage, if that's just a screen pass or a slant and let him get some yards after catch. So be it. Um, he's not going to be a deep threat this season. Eagles need to you know, understand that, and he will be here until the Eagles end their season. Uh, I understand that's going to be frustrating for a lot of people, but that's just how it's going to be. All right, next question. Corey Haynes says, why isn't Whiteside getting more targets? Is he just not open, or is Carson just not looking his way? Um, I think it's because he's just not the primary option on a lot of routes and a lot of uh, plays. You know, when the Eagles roll out their offense, he's not the top guy. And I'm not going to take credit for my answer here because Elliot Short Parks, which a lot of people don't like, he really opened my eyes to this when he said that Matt Collins and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside are, you know, like priorities six or seven on the team. I believe he made the argument with Matt Collins, but you can make the same thing with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. When you're looking at the Eagles offense and who you're going to give the ball to first, obviously the, wide, the running backs are going to rank high. Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Same with the tight ends, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And I would rank Alshon Jeffrey over other receivers, maybe Jordan Matthews. Um, and then you can get into Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arthur, Whiteside, and Matt Collins. So I think he's just not a top priority for this offense, which is troubling because they spent a second-round pick on him. Mike Groh, who had trouble integrating Golden Tate into the offense last year, <clears throat> is now admitting that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside just isn't going to see the field because they have Alshon Jeffrey, and this is a perfect game for J.J. to break out and show that he deserves some snaps, but um, he had one good play, and Carson Wentz escaped the pressure deep into their... Um, he was in the end zone. He escaped pressure, almost took the safety, but ultimately found J.J. Ortega-Whiteside open and completed the pass, but um, I think he's... He's just not the primary option. I think that's just what it comes down to. And Carson Wentz likes his hot routes. When they develop a play, he's going to look for that first option. If it's not there, either he's ready to get sacked or he's going to be moving around to try to make something happen. I don't think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is capable and experienced enough to move around and make himself available for Carson Wentz. So I think it will get better. It's not time to give up on him. He was a second-round pick. So... I think it's just better to integrate him as much as possible and then take the offseason to develop him as much as possible. Um, we have a few more. Uh, actually, I'm just getting more as we speak. So 
D'Angelo says, what changes on offense would you like to see in the offseason? I don't really like to look forward to the offseason when the Eagles are still in season, especially they're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Playoffs are still within reach. But they need to make change to that wide receiver. I would like to see Jordan Howard re-signed. So then your, wide, or your running back group would look like Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders as your one-two punch. And then after that, you can bring in a free agent. You can keep Boston Scott maybe around, maybe. But um, I think that would be a great move and put them into a great position offensively. Wide receivers, you're going to be rolling out with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Again, whether people like it or not. Um, I think having a full offseason for Deshaun Jackson to get healthy and bring him back is going to be very important because he's a deep threat and a very good player for this offseason, this offense. Um, but other than that, I think I would like to see a little bit more speed because if Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, which he's shown that he's very capable of getting hurt, um, you have to be able to replace it. I'm not going to re-sign up Nelson Aguilar. I'm going to try to integrate J.J. Thigga-Whiteside more. Get a speed receiver in the draft, and like I said before, all this, although this doesn't affect the offense primarily, get a kick return or a punt return or someone quick, and then sprinkle them into the offense as much as possible. Offensive line, you're not going to see Jason Peters back. Andre Dillard's going to take that over. Um, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Samuel, they're all under contract, so nothing to, to be concerned about there. The tight ends are under contract. I don't think it's going to be shaken up a lot. Um, the only moves I'm, I think that the Eagles are going to make are re-sign Jordan Howard and bring in a couple of more wide receivers through the draft or free agency. Um, this is a hot topic. Wow. Josh Tiber says, Winner Howie slash Doug on the hot seat. Um, I'll start with Howie. I think there's a lot of respect for Howie Rosen within the organization. I think if he has a poor draft next season, although it's hard to, um, you have to wait to see if these guys pan out, but if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside doesn't develop next year, if he misses on a lot of picks, such as, um, like next year, if he makes some selections later in the rounds that don't end up making the team, um, then... I think he would be considered on the hot seat. Uh, that's definitely a far reach. I don't think he's his job. I think his job's very secure right now, but um, he needs to make sure that he's developing this team through the draft. Doug Peterson is not going to be on the hot seat because the supporting cast around him, like I've said time after time now, is not good. Uh, once they get better coaches around him, he's going to look better. The offense is going to look better. The defense is going to look better. So Doug Peterson is good. Uh, I think it would take a lot to get him out of the organization. So that's where we stand with him. Um, I have two more for you. Jumpman says, why do we not run almost at all in the second half? And then when we did, it was with Boston Scott. Thank you. That is what I, exactly what I was saying earlier. Eagles did not run the ball effectively. They gave it to Miles Sanders 11 times. Boston Scott 7. Carson Wentz had 3 carries himself. J.J. was non-existent. Uh, I don't have an answer for you. No, I'm sorry. Um, it's frustrating because the Eagles have a talented backfield, even if Jordan Howard is hurt. Miles Sanders is very capable. Boston Scott can do it every once in a while. J.J. is on the team now. And they didn't use them to their advantage. J.J. didn't get a snap, like I said. Boston Scott is not the receiver to have to 
run it on third down um, when you need a couple big plays. He had, um, I believe his longest run was a 12-yard run that came out of nowhere. Um, it was a very good run by him, but Miles Sanders needs the bulk of the carries, which he did get the majority. He did get the most carries, but he needs more, and Eagles need to commit to the run. It worked so well for them earlier in the season. They need to keep that going. So, unfortunately, I don't have an answer for you um, directly, but I feel the pain. I feel the frustration. So does everybody in this uh, fan base right now. Um, okay, so why did this comes from Max? This is our last question for the podcast. Why did Miles Sanders not return anything? Or play JHI at all. Um, I feel like these are getting a little bit redundant, but this is a little bit of a separate topic. Miles Sanders, I don't think they're going to put him back there for kick returns or punt returns just because he was a lead back for that game. Say he loses his confidence with a fumble, or say he gets hurt on a return, then the Eagles are down to Boston Scott and JHI, and that against the Patriots defense is going to go nowhere. So Miles Sanders, I feel like that was just to protect him and just keep him primary on offense. I would like to see him in kick returns. I think he's a dynamic returner, and the Eagles really need to tap into that and make sure that they're taking full advantage. But until Jordan Howard's ready to come back, until J.J. gets into full swing, I think it's smart to keep him just primarily on offense. But um, it was definitely painful to see Boston Scott struggle in the power return game and the kick return game. J.J., I uh, mentioned this earlier in the podcast, he just isn't ready to come off the streets and get 10 carries. Although he's not ready to get 10 carries, I believe he's ready to get five, um, get integrated a little bit more than zero carries. I was very frustrated not to see him at all. So I definitely feel your frustration there. And hopefully he can get back into the game with a strong week of practice. Um, But like I said earlier, once Jordan Howard is back and he's healthy, JHI is not going to see the field much. We are probably going to see um, Jordan Howard get, say, 22, par- 22 carries per game. Miles Sanders is probably going to be in the realm of 8 to 10, just because they're going to use him a lot in the passing game with Darren Sproles out. JHI will probably be in the same boat, I would say, 6 to 8 carries. Although, if one of them has the hot hand, they'll probably take over, but um, I just don't see JHI fitting to this offense as much as he should, and I feel like uh, this game was a perfect opportunity for him to take over and uh, prove that he can be a good piece going going forward. Uh, if they had zero carries to base it off of and Jordan Howard comes back, then what's going to be their motivation bringing him in next week? Um, so yeah, it was definitely frustrating. So I'm going to refresh my Twitter feed one more time, see if I got any more questions for you guys, and that will be it. Um, I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast today, although it was a really heartbreaking loss. There's a lot to talk about. Um, so just to review, I talked about how the entries affected us, the offense, how they just looked flat after going up 10-0. to zero. The defense played very well. I highlighted a few key players for that um, part of the group. Special teams, Boston Scott did not live up to his potential to take over Darren Sproul's role. I talked about the post-game conferences and gave you my thoughts on your fan questions. Um, make sure you stay tuned. Later in this week, I'll get into more in-depth analysis. I really like that Carson Wentz topic that I thought of earlier and how he can improve his game and how the Eagles can play to his advantage going forward, although we're not going to see it probably this year. But um, going forward, how they can make changes in the coaching staff, 
and the offense as a whole to make sure that he returns to his full potential that we saw in 2017. But for now, that's all I got for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, hope you guys really enjoy the content going forward. Make sure you hit uh, Burt's Banter on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know any suggestions that you have, any guest speakers you want to see, any topics you want covered. I'm more than willing to respond to any of your feedback or suggestions going forward. So use that to your advantage because this content is all for you, Eagles Nation. Um, but make sure you subscribe so you don't miss another Birds banter going forward. And I'll catch you guys next time. Go Birds!